I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. This is your host as ever, Matt Dixon. And let me tell you this. If you're one of the many triathletes who struggle with the swim portion of the event, what I'm just about to say to you might make you a little bit mad. You see, when I'm in the water, it is as natural of an environment for me as it is if I've got two feet on land. I feel grounded, normal, highly familiar. It's the same for anyone who's grown up with a long history of swimming training. Years and years of looking at a black line and getting used to having the vast majority of our weight displaced by the water. Similar, really similar, to the feeling of being weightless in space. If you didn't grow up with green hair of overchlorination, you will likely never experience this. And yet, you must prepare for the swim portion of the swim. A source of challenge, frustration, and sometimes even fear for many triathletes. Today, we dive in a whole episode anchored around the adult onset swimmer. I'm going to provide context, the path for you to maximize the very limited time that you have available to achieve your best results. And we also join the dots on how a dedicated focus in the swim does more for you as an athlete than just improving swim performance. It's a goodie today. If you're frustrated in swimming or invested in just becoming a better athlete globally, I think you're going to want to stay tuned. But first, we're going to give a little context into how we do it with this week's squatty update. You see, we begin really loading the swim at this time of the year. It's a big part of it. And as we're talking about swimming today, I thought I might give you a few little main sets that we utilize in this phase of the year. We call it the build phase, building resilience, a little bit of speed, and then continued focus on technique. So three workouts we're going to go through, hard to do on a podcast at all, but three that we go through. The first, Masterpiece 25s. You're going to hear me talk about these in today's show. But what we do is a series of high sustained short interval 25 yard intervals and we do it with minimal rest. The goal here is to develop resilience and a higher sustainable pace. The reason we call it masterpiece is every single 25 that you do single lap must be done with a goal of perfection, masterpiece, pushing off the wall with a great streamline, having good rhythm, falling into high sustainable pace, and that word rhythm being really important. It's a massively valuable session, and it's effective in building your sustainable pace, having a focus on form, and of course, underneath it all, developing your endurance. The second session, well, we utilize a session that I got through a very good mate of mine, Jerry Rodriguez of Tower 26 fame. And this was first introduced to me way back when, when he was guiding me in swimming 15 years ago, when I was a very lowly professional triathlete. Now, there are different iterations of this set, but I'm going to go through my favorite little pattern that we have at this phase of the year. Here we go. Get your pens and papers out. You go 100 smooth, 100 strong. 100 smooth, 1 100 very strong. That's one little cycle. Then we progress. 100 smooth, 100 strong. 100 smooth, two 100s very strong. 
Then a third cycle, 100 smooth, 100 strong, 100 smooth, three 100s very strong. You get the pattern. We continue all the way up to the elite guys going up to six or seven times 100. Now, the important part of this is that the rest on the smooth part is really short because the recovery should be during the swim. And then the rest on the strong sections is a little more. And we want to have a longer rest there so that we can make the higher sustainable pace stick. We want to make it count. Now, you can also do this workout with a straight distance, 100 smooth, 100 strong, 100 smooth, 200, then 300, then 400, so that you can develop high sustained swim resilience. But we tend to add this a little bit later in the year. And the final squatty update swim, high power, high force generation, a series of 50s, so two laps. And we are swimming these as 25 yards at absolute max, as fast as you can go. And then the second 25 being really smooth. There's the recovery portion. Pretty short rest on this as well. But we tend to do these with a little bit of medieval tone to it. We typically have an ankle strap where you're bounding your legs together. Or we call what is called an any buoy, a great buoy out of Colorado in which it has empty chambers. But of course, in this, we want to create a little bit of an anchor. We swim with those chambers full. So real force generation. The advanced folks, they might have paddles or even swim with a parachute, a little waistband with a little almost napkin sized parachute on the back end of the swim, really creating that anchor so that they're overcoming resistance. And talking of resistance, we generally tend to prefer resistance coming from the back of the swimmer, almost like an anchor, over just adding paddles to the hands. And the reason for this is the vast majority of triathlete swimmers simply cannot handle those paddles where you've got a greater surface area without doing one thing that we absolutely want to avoid, which is to lose stroke rate. So they either tend to drop the elbow and lose purchase on the water, or they swim with a slower stroke rate, and neither of those are preferable. In this set, all of the max must be done with a high form focus. So what we're looking to do is to link connection and rhythm. There's that word again. And so we really aim to not, as we like to say, wrestle a pig. Instead, the max is done with great violence under the water, but by looking like a swan above the water, just like a ballerina. So just a little insight this week into the sprinkle of swim sessions that we can expect when you're a part of Purple Patch. Fun and most importantly, effective. Of course, as ever, if you want to get involved, purplepatchfitness.com forward slash squad or head to the coaching page for some more personal one-to-one -one guidance. And if you simply want to connect or have questions, I'll head you to the podcast page here. Hit us up on the contact us form. We'll be sure to get back to you or set up a time that we can have a chat to see how we can help. Now, let's do the jingle. Get the hips swinging, folks. It is... What of the week? We like the way he thinks. Serious with a wig. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. Yes, the Word of the Week this week. And we are coming to one of the pillars, the Purple Patch Pillars of Performance, Endurance, Strength, Nutrition, and the Word of the Week, Recovery. You see, this week I had an interview with the media and I was asked about the label, the recovery coach, that I somehow managed to earn. And I had to explain that that label was one that was given to me about 10 years ago. And I have to say, not altogether through a positive lens. 
At that time, I was writing a lot about stress, recovery, and the power of effective training over accumulation. The concept of recovery was, will you believe this? It was typically seen as a source of weakness. Only the tough would thrive. The last man hanging on the rope and all of that nonsense. And I got labeled the recovery coach. I assume as many saw me at that time as promoting some form of quick fix, a fake promise of a shortcut to success, a, well, life or sport hack, if you will. Now, of course, fast forward, that concept has been thoroughly debunked, but I think it's worth reminding ourselves consistently of a simple thing. We don't focus on recovery so that you, the athlete, does less. You actually focus on recovery to be equipped to do more, and most importantly, to do more effective work. The goal of training is to maximize the amount of load that you can do within the context of your life while achieving positive adaptations. And that last part of the phrase is always forgotten. And it's really easy to be forgotten when you have looming goals, great dreams, and great passion. But by infusing recovery into the program, by putting it up there as a parallel, an equal brother or sister relative to the very hard intervals and work that you want to do, is going to ensure that you get the most out of the work that you put in. And that's what you want. The winner isn't the one who does the most. The winner is the one that does the best in preparation so that they can align potential with performance on race day. And so, whether it's by value and sleep, going really easy in the easy days, ensuring that you're fueling post-workout every single time, recovery and all of the components anchored around it are a part of your training program. Not an afterthought, not a sign of weakness, but a way to empower your training, to optimize, to get the most out of it. And that is why, as a reminder, the word of the week this week is one of my favorites. I'm proud to be called and labeled the recovery coach because it is your catalyst to performance. Be brave. It's why we say it takes courage to recover. The word of the week, this week, recovery. And now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Yes, folks, the meat and potatoes. And let's first frame the sport. Swimming. It is an incredibly technical discipline. And it is one that is a big drag because you're doing this in a very thick substance. And in fact, it's incredibly challenging for adult onset swimmers because as an adult onset swimmer, you're looking to acquire skill in space. 90% of your weight is displaced. And so it's really tough for people that haven't grown up in that environment. You lose all of the proprioceptive awareness. And on top of it, you end up having to overcome water, which is vastly more dense than air. Six, seven, eight hundred times the density of air. And so we end up 
been a coordinated combination of looking to do four main things. The first is to reduce drag. And of course, by reducing drag, we want to also avoid consequential deceleration. It's much harder to get going in water, thick substance, than it is on land where you get to push off something. And so goal number one, reduction of drag and avoiding deceleration. Number two, we're looking to develop the fine technical aspects of the stroke. Number three is to generate force to enable us to create acceleration and therefore sustainable speed. And so, yes, we are our own paddles. We have to generate high force to create acceleration and ultimately sustainable speed. And then, of course, we must have enough endurance to maintain this force throughout the duration of an event. And of course, for triathletes, those events are lasting somewhere around 20 minutes, up to more than two hours for the more pedestrian Ironman swimmers. And typically, for you, the adult onset swimmer, you have to achieve all of these things in a typically reduced schedule of availability. The vast majority of adult onset and time-starved athletes only get to swim two or three times weekly. And so what it ends up being is simply an optimization challenge. It's not a utopian environment or situation. You haven't had the background. You're getting skill acquisition in this really weird environment of water. And you're looking to achieve results in a less than optimal time frame to do it in. Add to all of this that the needs and the requirements for pool swimming with a lovely flat and controlled environment versus open water swimming with dynamic moving water, vast chop and collision with several hundred of your greatest friends, it all becomes a very, very different challenge. And so with that in mind, let's talk about swimming training and the benefits within the context of our global fitness approach. And so when you actually approach as a triathlete swimming training, I think we first must realize that we're not just utilizing swim training to get better at swimming. It is a wonderfully safe conditioning tool and especially a cardiovascular conditioning tool. You are unweighted. It's not corrosive on the joints. And in fact, there is a great combination of mobility that occurs in swimming and sensory training. You're sort of put in this really weird environment and you have to start to understand where all your bits and pieces are. It also, because you are typically training in a controlled environment in which when your head is under the water, you're not looking at pace or heart rate. Instead, you're just developing what we call the inner animal. And the best tool that you have in triathlon is that sweeping pace clock on the side of the pool. You swim a controlled 100 or 200 or 300 yard distance. You have to manage the effort without any immediate feedback. And then you get the feedback at the end of each interval. And so swimming training is great to develop a sense of pacing as well. And then, as I mentioned, it's non-weight bearing. And so swimming alone itself is not an ideal total conditioning exercise. Remember that we are designed to move heavy things. And so swimming is wonderful for cardiovascular conditioning, but 
If you're just a swimmer, you certainly want to, to become a high performance driven human being, want to include some weight bearing activity and of course some strength training. And so let's place swimming within the sport for triathletes because the vast majority, or I shouldn't be so harsh, a large minority of triathletes tend to relegate swimming as a priority. And the reason that they do this on the face of it is really understandable. After all, the actual swim discipline only takes up a small percentage of the overall duration of a triathlon. The bike leg takes up the vast majority of the race. The run, of course, is the place that many people suffer. And so it's easy to pivot focus towards those two disciplines. And the second reason that triathletes tend to relegate it down as in terms of priority in training is it's frustrating. It's incredibly difficult to see large sweeping gains. But as we go into today's show, this relegation mindset, I'm here to tell you, is a mistake. Because the swim experience for you in a race is going to have a large impact, whether you like it or not, a large impact in race day performance on bike and run. I have seldom seen, in fact, I could say really never seen, but I'll leave it at seldom seen a deconditioned swimming athlete go on and excel in the larger sport as a whole. It isn't swimming, cup of tea, bike, nice slice of cake and a massage, then a nap, followed by the run. The sport is swim, bike, run. And of course, the effects of the swim are felt in the bike are, of course, both felt in the run. It is swim, bike, run. The second reason that relegation of the focus is a mistake is that swimming is a wonderful tool for broader conditioning. As a non-weight bearing activity, you tend to hit higher speed, higher intensity more often without the needed recovery that you have to have off the more corrosive sports of biking and particularly running. So we get to hit the range of intensities more frequently without quite the dramatic impact. There is also a really positive cross-pollination in fitness that tends to extend into other sports, at least from a cardiovascular conditioning side. And I want you to consider this. For an athlete who has dedicated themselves to a real swimming project, and what I mean by this is multiple months of a promotion in swimming in the training hierarchy relative to the other disciplines. So November, December, January, February, March, where they're really promoted swimming. Whenever we've had an athlete do this, I have never seen an athlete fail to improve globally as a triathlete. And this is including the pros, Jesse Thomas, Tim Reed, Meredith Kessler, all the way down to complete newbies. Whenever we've had an athlete go on a swim project, a serious multi-month swim project, where, in the terms of Jesse Thomas, doing 50% of his training hours from the swimming discipline, they have always improved swimming, swimming, but more importantly, become a better athlete globally. And it has never failed. And so all of that is to say, swimming training for the triathlete, even if you are adult onset and it is your weakness and you see limited 
potential yield gains in terms of time, I can maybe only gain a minute. What's the point? It has a massive value for you. But before we dive into the how to accomplish this and get the yield of the value, let's go through a few of the common mistakes. And while we're doing this, dispel a few of the myths. And so let's go through each of them. The first mistake, yes, swimming is a technical sport. And so what many athletes do, and this be the mistake, is focus on simply improving technique. We call it trying to drill your way to glory. It's not the big thing to do. The second mistake is that triathletes aim to simply mimic the highly trained pool swimmers. Coaches make this mistake as well. All right, let's look at Michael Phelps, which is, by all accounts, a thing of sporting beauty. Let's look at how he trains. Let's look at his technique. And now let's aim to mimic the elements of his stroke and all of the, the aforementioned drills that we go through. It's never going to work for you. You, the adult onset swimmer. The third mistake is a singular focus of the accumulation of distance or time. You're just plowing up and down the pool, looking to accumulate time on the clock. No change of speed, no shift in intensity, up and down, up and down. A really low yield or return on investment for your training time. And the final big mistake that we identify is the obsession. The luckily reducing obsession now, but it was dominant in the sport about five years ago. A complete obsession on distance per stroke as the singular barometer of success. This would be very similar to thinking that when you're running around the track, the only way for you to improve is to reduce the number of steps that you can go around that 400 track in. Imagine that. It would be like watching Monty Python's Ministry of Silly Walks. People looking to just get further and further per step and thinking that that's the way to improve. We know that, yes, you want a good distance per pull and you want to reduce drag, but you want to do it with great rhythm, great force under the water and as fast as a sustainable stroke rate as we can do without losing that length of stroke. It is the combination of the two that make it effective. The result of these mistakes is that athletes end up getting a really limited improvement in both speed and their splits in their swimming. And their race experience ends up being either really slow or exhausting because they're just not fit enough. And they have limited tools to really develop to allow success in actual competition and events. And of course, that makes it all the more frustrating. So let me give a very quick and dirty on each mistake. And then we'll go into some of the elements to adult onset swimming. So let's go back through our mistakes. It's a technical sport. So athletes only focusing on technique. Well, if you only focus on technique, you're never going to have the fitness or endurance to be able to sustain any of that improved technique. And we'll dive deeper into that in a few seconds. We also realize that the training that an elite swimmer is doing, swimming many times a week and many hours, coming from 
of youthful swimming, of years and years and years of development, it simply isn't applicable or attainable from you. The way Michael Phelps train to get ready for an event that's lasting somewhere around 45 seconds up to maybe two or three or four minutes of his longer events is completely different for the demands of your stroke and how his limbs operate around the shoulders and the ankles are not going to be sustainable for you. We are going to have to think out of the box. The doing the distance side of the challenge, well, that's just a low yield. All you're doing is just developing general conditioning. It's like going for a jog. And the reason it's a mistake is for that same time spent, we can incorporate specific work that's just going to give you a much better yield on your effort and your time put in. And so that's what we're going to explain today. And finally, as we talked about, the obsession of distance per stroke, you're just going to end up swimming very pretty and very slow. And no one for themselves wants to be slow. So let's go through and break it down. What do you as an adult onset swimmer need to do with your swimming training? Well, there are three main components that we want to go through. The first, technical, and break down the elements that are really important for you to get right, the baseline stuff to get right. The second component, Muscular endurance. You're going to like that one when we talk about it today. And the third is to become a true open water swimmer. You need to develop a toolbox of skills to apply swimming in the environment that you're competing in, open water. So let's go through each of these. The A, B, C. Technical, muscular endurance and the toolbox of skills. So first, technical. Yes, let me state this first before you run to the shelves and you start screaming, he doesn't care about technique. A focus on technique is important. You must get your technique good enough. It can't be a limiter. But the question is how, as an adult onset swimmer, in a time-starved environment, when you have to optimize the limited training time, what is going to give you the biggest yield and how do you focus on technique? And so, rather than seeking perfection, I much prefer swimmers to focus on the things that they are able to improve and will have the biggest positive impact in an inc incredibly technical sport, it's really easy to overcomplicate or obsess on the details that are not actually going to make a massive performance yield, particularly in the turbulent conditions of open water and when most of the races are actually helpful because you're wearing a wetsuit. And so we only look to focus on the very basic critical components that are going to give that optimization of your swim technique in the time-starved environment that you have. And so the second thing we focus on there are we utilize, rather than breaking down in the two to three swims that you have, lots and lots of drills, instead we lean into toys. Yes, toys. Because the tools and the toys 
that we go through are going to help you facilitate improvement in your technique while at the same time open the door of what we're coming to, which is conditioning as well. And if we can hybrid our technique and conditioning at the same time, it's going to give us a better global yield. And so we really lean into the use of different toys. Now we're going to add some of those into the show notes and it's going to be helpful for you to understand why we use each tool. And so in a time-starved approach, remember that a pure technical focus isn't going to give you yield. We're looking to improve technique while we're focusing on conditioning. So with that in mind, what are the critical elements that are really important? Well, there are a few. The first, body position. You've got to, and this is the same across sports. You want to improve in running, stand up tall. You want to be the best biker you can be, learn how to drape yourself on the bike and be very stable and quiet up on the bike. You want to improve as a swimmer, you better have good posture. Really important. The second component is that you can't, with good posture, wiggle down the pool. And so we're looking to, yes, reduce drag with good alignment, making sure that the swim is relatively symmetrical and that you're not crossing over the front of stroke, letting the legs scissor apart. And so we want to have a firm, good posture or taut body, as my friend Jerry would say. And then we want to reduce drag with really good alignment. And then the third component behind it is once you've got those two pillars in place, we want to make the most of propulsion. And that means making every single pull, hand entering water and accelerating back, meaningful. And that goes into components such as the positioning of the pulling arm, the connection and the timing of the pull, so that you start to use your body, not just your hand, and the force that you can apply as you accelerate. And that is the key word, accelerate. You need to accelerate water back because that is the thing that creates propulsion and acceleration or movement of the body, the vessel in the water. And so those are the three components, making sure that we use toys and tools while conditioning to help promote really good posture. We also use tools to help you find really good alignment in the water, making sure you're not wiggling down the pool. That's where we utilize things like the snorkel. And then we make sure that every pull is meaningful. And that's with the makeup of the sets, those Masterpiece 25s that I talked about earlier, or bounding the ankles or using a full any boy so that you can feel purchase on the water and get the most out of each pull. Now, beyond those points in space, posture, swimming in line, creating good connection. It's also important to realize that swimming is a rhythm sport and it is one that is really executed with not the extremities, but with the body. And so if we can get these things up to snuff, your posture, swimming in a line, good connection in the water, and then it's really good to remember that the primary focus of power is coming from the body and not the extremities. Let me give you a couple of examples here that might help. I don't want you to think about placing the hand into the water ahead of you. Instead, 
of placing the hand in, which just creates too much of a deliberateness. What a terrible word. What a butchering of a word. But deliberateness into the water and holds tension above the water. Instead of putting the hand into the water, you might have heard slipping the hand through the letterbox or something like that. Just let it fall in. Let it slap in. Let it make a splash. But instead, think about the shoulder of that arm. And as that hand drops into the water, just let the shoulder slide forward. That's going to help create the connection and put the hand in the right position. Secondly, don't think about pulling back with just the hand. Instead, anchor it down, fingertips, under wrist, under elbow, and then vault the body past the anchored hand. It's this connection between pulling arm and opposite hip with the whole body that generates the power. And so when we think about technique, we keep it really simple. Make sure that the athlete can retain good posture. Ensure that they're not wiggling down the pool and do a whole bunch of work with tools and generation of smart and effective training sessions that they learn to swim with good rhythm, good connection and high force and power. Of course, to retain that technique all the way through the swim, you've got to have the second component of time-starved adult onset swimming, and that is muscular endurance. Yep, to be effective and all the cross-pollination, but to get the most out of your swim improvements, you've got to have some focus on technique, but you must be faff. Do you know what that is? It is a magical and most consistent need for you to be able to retain technique throughout the swim distance, for you to be able to maintain force on the water for each pool and come out of the crazy and dynamic environment as fresh as possible. Faff, a central secret of your swim evolution. So what is faff? F A F. Faff. You ready? All right. Here it is. Here is your secret. You need to be faff. Yes. Fit as fuck. There you go. A little gift for you. It doesn't matter how many drills you do, how many private lessons you take, what the ideal angle of your pinky is that you manage to dial in. If you don't have massive muscular resilience, you're not going to be able to deliver enough force for meaningful propulsion over the duration of the swim. Think about it. Imagine that you're swimming 1.9 kilometers. Yep, that's the distance of a half Ironman race. And now let's imagine that it takes you about 40 minutes to do that distance. That's a pretty normal time for an adult onset swimmer. 40 minutes, 1.9 kilometers. Now let's assume that you take, oh, for the sake of argument, about 60 strokes per minute. Right, left, right, left. One, two, three, four. Adding up to over 60 seconds, about 60 strokes. That's about a second, a stroke per second. That's your stroke rate. Now, some people swim at a faster rate, some people slower. But 60, about average for the amateur swimmer. That means that over the course of your 1.9 kilometers half Ironman distance race, it's taken you about 40 minutes, you're going to be taking 
about 2,400 strokes. See? Faff. It's pretty important, don't you agree? So if you have a good emphasis on technique, and then you have a massive focus on muscular endurance, all done in a time-starved life, then finally, as an open water swimmer, you've got to develop a toolbox of skills to enable you to apply that technique and that muscular endurance to your swimming in the environment that is outside. Because an open water swim event is much more than swimming in a pool. And it's got to be said, it can be a daunting, understandably daunting experience for many. The vastness of the environment, moving water, whether it's tidal, current in a river, chopping lakes. And then, of course, the sighting challenges with your eyes right down at water level, often impacted by waves, sun or even a little bit of fog. And then, of course, you've got, we have to appreciate, the psychological imprint of not being able to see the bottom or even those little creatures that lurk beneath. Yes, I know the sharks. What about the sea monkeys? Those little, little animals that squeak and nip at your toes. Don't worry. Rest easy. Sea monkeys don't really exist. But all of this has to be executed within the environment of thrashing limbs and bodies that makes up an open water race. I can feel your heartbeat raising, your breath starting to come onto the screen of your windshield as you're listening to this. I know, it's a scary component. And the only passage for you that will enable your trained technical and physical potential to meet event day performance is to firstly build confidence. And the only way you can do that is through familiarity of what the experience will be like. And secondly, you must develop a toolbox. I love that phrase in endurance coaching, a toolbox of skills that are essential and unique to open water swimming. And it is these three components that are going to help prepare you for swim improvement in readiness. Technical development, always done through toys. FAF, I don't think you need me to remind you what that stands for. And of course, your toolbox of skills and familiarity. And so here we are. We arrive at this point of the show. Those three elements. Let's paint the picture. Let's come back to it. You are time starved. You have a tremendous amount of competing demands with limited training time in this exact discipline. Let's say in the middle of the bell curve, you get to swim three times a week, each time for about 60 minutes. That means that every week, you get a total of three hours to train. And we've got to improve technique. You've got to be faff. You've got to develop the tools. This is much, much less of a luxury than a quote-unquote real swimmer has to improve. I crazily grew up with 22 to 27 hours a week of swimming. But let's just say the norm now is 15 to 20 hours a week for a top swimmer. We don't have the utopian luxury. You also haven't had the luxury of the years of development in this sport that has the opposite of a steep learning curve. Your high school cross country didn't help you for this weird anti-gravitational environment. And trying to tie all your bits and pieces together in unison while shoulders are lacking the hypermobility of a seasoned swimmer, well, it just ain't that easy. And yet your quest reminds me 
somehow of a market trader being thrust onto stage in front of a large audience, tidily dressed with a crisp violin in hand, asked to recite some concerto. It is a mountain of despair. And it sounds desperate and impossible. But here's the good news. You can conquer it. At least you can gain really important results that are going to make the best of your situation to achieve performance yield. And so here is the meat and potatoes of the meat and potatoes. Let's frame the approach. Because as an adult onset and time staff swimmer, you must deploy an approach that, number one, will provide best results relative to your compromised background and situation. That involves a fair amount of -of out-of-the-box thinking. You cannot be shackled by classic swimming folklore. It's not going to help you. And, in honesty, is going to involve, by all of us, a little bit of compromise. Because with a limited budget of time, we simply cannot create a utopian situation. In fact, what might be a great idea or approach... It just might not be the right approach for you in your situation. And so I want you to get practical. I want you to build an approach that is fit for purpose for you. Let me begin here with the really obvious. You're going to need to train. And you're going to need to be really consistent in your training. This is a project in which you need to layer it over many, many months and even many seasons. And you want to deploy an approach that provides maximal yield for the time put in. And with our case study of three weekly swims, here's the headline news. There's not much time for you to do easy swimming. And so I'll also add that the results from your project are always going to be better if you're immersed in a coached session. You're going to get the greatest results when you surround yourself with other swimmers. And a random program will yield random results. And so you must have an approach that is structured and progressive. And so as we go through, remember, technique, muscular endurance, or FAF, so that you remember it, and of course, open water skills. Three sessions weekly, if we're lucky, preparing for the anarchy of open water. And it is within this context that I say, number one, minimize drills for much of the seasons. You cannot drill your way to glory. Instead, leaning into breaking down the stroke in post-season, yes, that's what many call off-season, has a little bit of merit and you can do some postural kicking, some single arm and technical components. But as your season approaches, a singular focus on one part of our threesome, just technique, just isn't going to yield results. Instead, you're going to have to use a more holistic approach. And so you ask yourself the question, how do I improve technique while developing muscular endurance? How do I do that? Well, first... We understand the most critical elements of the stroke. Posture in the water, don't wiggle, get a hold of the water on each stroke and push it straight back with force without letting the water slip. And I know there's more to it to that and we can spend hours on each element. But for the sake of this show, let's leave it there. The second then is that you have to realize that you're not seeking perfection. The technique just has to be 
quote, good enough. Good enough for open water swimming and the turbulent environment. And to get there, you use toys to promote great form development while developing fitness. Now, in the show notes, as promised, we've added a freebie guide to the tools that we use in Purple Patch. All you have to do is head to purplepatchfitness.com backslash podcast, check out the show notes. But a couple of examples. We use a snorkel, and that's really useful to help with that connection and rhythm we talked about, as well as preventing the wiggle, really helping you develop alignment. You take out the rotation of the head to breathe, and suddenly you can really focus on connection. Secondly, ankle strap and a buoy to assist with posture, really bounding the ankles and forcing the proprioceptive awareness of where the body is, is gonna prevent both the wiggle, but also retaining a really good taut posture. And thirdly, utilizing fist swimming or a special paddle that we call the tech paddle, or is actually named the tech paddle, I should add, which is really good to help with that high early vertical forearm and good purchase on the water and also assists with great timing. Now the headline news, you need to, while focusing on this, swim a ton in your three weekly sessions. You want to improve your stroke while developing resilience. And so the tools and the toys, if executed with purpose, really, really help. The second component or the second driver to your approach is in the swimming that you are doing, you must always break it down with intervals, not the accumulation of time. Almost every swimming session that you do should be heavily anchored at intervals, and many of them at really pretty high intensity. And this reverts back to that concept of achieving your biggest return of investment for your limited training time. We absolutely love short intervals over long, slow distance. And so let's choose one random but really common case study to make the point. Our half Ironman swimmer, 1.9 kilometers of swimming. So let's think about what a classic triathlon readiness swim is. I want you to swim four by five hundreds at an endurance effort with one minute rest. Add it up, four by five hundred, 2,000 meters, super. And they're breaking the swim up and they're making the distance. Okay, this is better than simply plodding up and down the pool for two kilometers straight but is it really the best yield that you can gain as an adult onset swimmer? No, here's the problem. As an adult onset swimmer, you simply cannot retain great form and technique and or super force per stroke over the course of these intervals. And so you're gonna hold a pace per 100 yards or meters that's very similar to your current race effort. I think our time we mentioned was 40 minutes if you remember that. So about two minutes per hundred, let's call it. You simply won't have the gears and the ability to stress the body at the faster pace. It's impossible. So the duration of the length of the interval is simply too long for you, the adult onset swimmer, to up the pace and stress the body more. But the good news is there is a better result. You will get a bigger yield if you break it up more. And when by breaking it up more into shorter 
intervals, you have a chance to reset form more often. And that's really good from a mental engagement, staying present, and also physically to get more out of it. And if we break it up into shorter intervals, you can sustain a faster pace over the duration. And on top of it, by mentally and physically refreshing, you develop the proprioceptive awareness of swimming at speed over sustained intervals. And while you're doing that, you still gain all of the components of resilience and endurance while retaining that form that we're looking for. So now we could say, all right, instead of 2000 straight or four 500, you go 20 times 100. And this is better, but it's still not there. So let me be dramatic and let me go to the other end. Instead, swim two rounds of 40 intervals of 25 yards, each of them with five to seven, seven seconds rest. And we're gonna do all of them at a strong and sustained pace. And over the course of those 40 25s, that's one kilometer, a thousand meters, you're gonna accumulate a faster body of swimming. 40 chances to drive off the wall in great streamline. Yes, that's where you have great posture. And hit the initial strokes with vigor. After each one, you mentally reset. Remember what we talked about in the squatty update? Everyone a masterpiece. So imagine now you're holding a minute 45 or a minute 50 per 100, accumulating the stimulus over a thousand yards worth of 25s. Do that twice with a little bit of recovery between and we nail the goals and the mission of both technique and resilience. And so as we say in these masterpiece 25s, every 25 should be just that, a masterpiece. And it is impossible to yield while just plodding back and forth for 20 laps continuous four times over. Now, of course, you can then evolve and add elements to these types of intervals. And as the progression goes, we might start to do changes of speed within the 25s, just what happens in a race. Or a combination of fast 25s into more sustained swimming, such as 200 or 300. Okay, go 10 25s fast, high octane, and then some 300 straight, where we look to hold pace and form focus. Or, as we're just about to discuss, you can even begin implementing open water specific skills into a pool. And that leads me into the final big area of focus, developing readiness and familiarity. Remember we talked about your toolbox? You simply must maximize the use of your technique and your muscular and fitness, yes, FAF, with open water specific training. And this is simple to include, but it's really often ignored. As race-specific approaches, we need to include factors such as integrating sighting, lifting your head up to look where you're going, into the intervals. Because we need to become physically prepared of lifting your head out of the water to sight to see where you're going throughout your half Ironman swim. And let's use that as an example. Imagine that you're sighting every sixth stroke. That's commonly accepted about the rhythm you should be at. And so you're going to do, in our example of our 40-minute our half Ironman swimmer, you're going to lift your head 400 times. 400 times in a race. And you have to do that without losing rhythm of the stroke, with minimal deacceleration in the water, 
and we want to prevent causing stiffness in the shoulders and neck, which of course, if you have stiffness in shoulders and neck, will transfer into your ability to retain posture on your bike and of course, great posture on the run, performance limiters in those disciplines. 400 sightings. Think about it, 400 sightings, and yet 90% of triathletes never practice the skill or are simply ill-prepared for the physical strain and end up zigzagging between direction Egypt and direction Ecuador throughout each event. We also need to focus on the sensations that are familiar with the start of a race, takeout speed as we call it. And if you can become familiar with the discomfort of the very high intensity that often accompanies the first couple of minutes of a race, while surrounded by people, the speed, the environment, and then it's not going to make it easier, but you will develop familiarity and therefore confidence. And so we have to realize that swimming very fast, pretty poor pacing for many swimmers, but really fast is going to just simulate the sensations you're gonna get in the race. And you shouldn't expect to make it easier, but you'll be much less prone to panic. Now, there are many, many more we could go through, such as swimming in a pace line with other swimmers, side-to-side contact in swimming, but I think you get the context. And so it is these three things, guys, combining technique, with resilience in training, utilizing tools, making sure that you break up your training into a ton of higher intensity and shorter interval sessions. And then as race season approaches, begin to integrate very real open water skills into your pool-based swimming. These three things that are gonna provide the best yield for your needs, the time-starved adult onset swimmer. And yes, your impact won't just give you longer term swim results that you hope for, but the benefits are gonna bleed into your readiness to thrive in other disciplines. They will stimulate the health promoting benefits and will be much more rewarding than simply staring at a black line like a zombie. And I hope that, ladies and gentlemen, helps. They are my thoughts and framing for you, the adult onset swimmer. And I hope you find it useful. Next week, back to some questions, but for now, Matt Dixon signing off, go get aquatic and start to develop that green hair. I promise you, you'll love it in the end. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers.